Have you ever dreamed of becoming an interior designer? You don't want to go back to university, you don't want to work for a large firm, but you just don't know how to get started. You want flexibility, you want to pursue your passion, and you want to make income. Well, you should definitely check out the Uploft Interior Design Academy. It's my proprietary program that I've used internally for years and have made available to the public. Not only do you get video modules that you can take at your own pace, but you also get one-on-one coaching sessions with me, group coaching sessions with our Facebook group of Academy students, and so much more. If you're interested, Get more information and sign up for an exploratory call with me at affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. It's time to start living the life of your dreams. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Hellman. guys last week of summer i am feeling relaxed rejuvenated and ready to tackle whatever comes my way can you tell i've been on vacation Yes, I'm glad to be back with you all, but it was so restful and so nice to unplug for a few days. Those of you who are watching on YouTube can see that I didn't get any more tan, but at least I look more refreshed, and that's what counts, right? Well, I hope that you all had some amazing vacations. I hope you got to make some memories. I hope you were able to stay safe, and now let's get back to school. Let's get back to all of the things. Let's get back to putting our children on schedules, to making lunches, to making sure they do their homework. It all sounds like too, too much. Luckily, I have one more week before all of that starts back. I'm going to live it up and I'm going to try and get my kids on that sleep schedule we've been talking about for the last few weeks. All right. Well, as you guys know, I've changed the structure a little bit because I want to start addressing just some general topics before I dig into the mailbag each and every week. Now, don't forget the mailbag is still wide open and awaiting your submissions. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast to submit your question. The mailbag is a little bit light right now, so I definitely have room for questions and I'm anxiously awaiting yours. While I wait, while I just wait for your question, I will also be working with clients. So as my company grows and as I get busier, the one thing I've been very reluctant to let go of is taking clients. I feel like taking clients regularly each week helps to keep me on the pulse of what's going on. It helps to keep my design skills fresh. Also, I see everything that's out in the retail market, and I can really understand what trends are coming up, what trends are leaving. I can clearly see how we can adapt what's available to things that I'm thinking are stylish, to ways of designing that I think are more in line with what's happening right now or more in line with my clients' tastes. So when I take a break from design, 
whether it's for a couple weeks or a couple months. Have I ever taken a break in 16 years for a couple months? That I'm not sure of. But um, when I take a break, I find I'm not as fresh. I find it's harder to speak to your questions, but also it's harder to form my own strong opinions. So I think that's probably one of the last things I'll give up as a business owner is actually doing the design work because it helps me to even adapt our business model and stay current and speak to my own designers when they understand that I understand all of their challenges. Well, something that I wanted to talk about today was about rustic design. So many of my clients ask for rustic designs. You would think that rustic design would be a little bit over because it's been so hot for so long. And I really thought we'd see that kind of tapering. And maybe we have. So I decided to look up the definition of rustic because I thought that would give us a really good starting point for today's conversation. So according to the dictionary on the interwebs, rustic is one of two things. It's either relating to the countryside slash rural, or it's made in a plain and simple fashion. I think that number two The second definition is much more in line with how I design for a client who says they want rustic. Country or rural, I really associate with country style, and certainly that is a style as well, a style that doesn't have to feel old and dated. It can be made to feel fresh and contemporary depending on the color choices and the lines. But when I'm thinking rustic, I'm thinking that I want to see the actual quality of the piece. I want to see the wood grain. I want to see how the thing is made. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to feel very authentic. It has to be something that's not overly finessed. It's almost hand-hewn or roughly finished so that you can see the material quite clearly and it's not covered up with a lot of finishes or lacquer or polish. That is what I think of when I'm talking rustic design. And there are some pitfalls that I see when designing in a rustic style with clients. I'm going to share those with you right here, right now. The first I touched on a little bit earlier. I think that rustic as a style in interior design is not going to have a ton of longevity. I do think that it's a little bit trendy to want to see a lot of wood grain. I do think that people are eventually not going to want to have live edge wood tables where you can see the shape of the tree, where you can get a splinter if you rub your finger the wrong way on the table. You know, that kind of thing. Our neighbor just popped by. That's the great thing about recording right here on Main Street is the amazing guy at the deli who makes my eggs every morning. Uh, He makes the most delicious scrambled eggs. I need to ask him how he does it. Uh, But he's so nice and every time he passes by, he waves. So if that ain't a little rustic, I don't know what is. All right, let's get back to the topic at hand. I feel like a lot of the rustic finishes, be they um, like that live wood table I was talking about, or like a really rough burlap, or a super open weave linen, I think these things 
are going to go out of fashion in terms of a style in the next four years. Now, I've said that for a while, as I mentioned earlier, but it's more like I've seen this rustic style evolve. You know, three years ago, everybody wanted industrial. That's what the clients were clamoring for, industrial design. And now they want many of the same pieces, the same aesthetic, but for a while they started calling it farmhouse, right? When you would see that wood grain, maybe it would be a gray wash or a white wash, but it was clearly visible. Um, For a while, I would say before the industrial, it was kind of a shabby chic. So it's the same idea of something that looks a little bit worn, something where you can clearly see the material underneath, but something that's not actually old like an antique. So I feel like the style has been around. The name just keeps changing. And I think this rustic name is going to change again. Do I happen to know its next name? No. But I just want to put that as a warning because a lot of people are choosing to do renovation choices that align with a rustic aesthetic, be it a pickled floor with wide planks where you can clearly see the wood grain, be it shiplap where maybe it's whitewashed rather than truly painted. So again, you can see that grain, whether it's a metal that looks a little bit hand forged so that it's not just sleek and a clean finish. These are all elements that I think could be a little bit dangerous to incorporate in a renovation finish, like a faucet, like a doorknob, like a floor, because it's going to be harder to swap out when the trend is, you know, over. Let's talk about some other things that can help a rustic style to work a little bit better in everyday life. Another thing that can be helpful is to incorporate glass. Glass is not usually a texture that's associated with rustic. People think more of metals, woods, even fabrics before they think glass. But when you have a room that has a lot of metals and woods, it can feel very heavy. It can feel bogged down. And, you know, even if we're thinking rustic in terms of using stone, that's maybe not polished, but has a little bit more of that rough edge. Again, heavy, 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 all while being rustic. I love the idea of not only lightening it up with that glass, but also, as you guys know from previous episodes, I like to think about materials I haven't yet used. If I used a lot of wood, if I used a lot of stone, if I used a lot of metal, if I've already used fabric, glass can be a really nice way to make the space feel more complete, more balanced. So I'm always going back to that list of materials, asking myself, what haven't I used here? And glass is one that's frequently overlooked in this style. If you're looking for a more rustic style glass to fit in well with this type of room, check out mercury glass or even seated glass that has those tiny air bubbles. That's definitely more in alignment with a rustic type style. And we want to make sure that this rustic style doesn't get too cold or hard feeling. You know, I no longer use these terms masculine and feminine to associate hard kind of cold items with masculine and soft, warm things with feminine. I just think that in this day and age, that's a little bit dated. But I do think that this style lends itself towards those hard, cold experiences, and we need a balanced space that has both soft 
as well as hard. So don't forget the textiles. Don't forget the burlaps, the linens, but also don't forget that you can create softness with color. So soft colors could be things that are more muted, like a pastel. Instead of going for a cherry red, maybe we go for a blush pink. Instead of going for a really intense navy blue, maybe we go with more of a denim that feels a little bit aged or worn. So there are ways to make a space feel warmer, softer, incorporate color into a rustic, which is typically a neutral look. There's ways to make it more lively and approachable, all while sticking in that style of rustic that is oh so popular right now. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com, click on podcast to learn more, and to become a premium member today. Now let's dig in to our mailbag. My first question comes all the way from Germany from Sophie. Sophie writes, Betsy, I love listening to your podcast. It's packed with practical but also inspirational ideas, and it also never fails to lighten my mood. However, listening to your episode on inner architecture, I was a bit surprised. I'm from Germany. And there seems to be a bit of a misunderstanding when it comes to our rental traditions. You don't rip out the bathroom. Or just in case you want to get in a lawsuit with your landlord, maybe you would. But yes, rentals often don't come with a kitchen as a part of the rental agreement. But it is pretty standard to buy your kitchen from the previous renter for a fraction of the price of a new kitchen. And you get tons of secondhand kitchens via our equivalent of Craigslist. If people take the kitchen with them, it's usually not to throw it away. Instead, they take it to their new place. For a lot of kitchen cabinet series, you can even buy additions, even after decades. So this is also what happens when you're talking about light fixtures. I just wanted to set this straight so you don't imagine Germany being a country covered in a landfill full of kitchen cabinets, when indeed most people reuse the same kitchen for 20 years or more. Kind regards, Sophie. Sophie, thank you for setting me straight. I was just going off what I heard and the experiences that I've had with my German clients. I do think it's very interesting, this ripping out of the kitchen and taking it with you. So many of us, I mean, I moved once every year in New York City, and uh, that's a lot of moves. I think I lived in no fewer than nine apartments in New York City. There towards the end, I wound up staying in the same one for a little while. 
But even thinking about moving houses, like I'm planning to do right now, the idea of ripping out my kitchen and having it fit in a new space, a new space that's probably going to be a totally different look, is just so foreign. But I think that it's interesting. And I'm really glad that you set me straight. All right, let's head over to my next question. My next question comes from Charlotte, North Carolina, from Griffin. And Griffin writes, Betsy, I'm thinking about tiling half of the wall behind the vanity in my master bathroom. Any considerations for the tile? I am thinking color. Well, Griffin, I really appreciate it that you included pictures. It's very helpful and I can see exactly what we're working with. And guys, if you want to see what Griffin's working with, head over to the YouTube channel. You can get all the access at affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. All right, here I am, Griffin, looking at your pictures. I imagine the first picture is of your actual bathroom with the mint-colored walls, with the double sinks, with the two mirrors, and the white shower. And it looks like white subway tile in the shower surround. Yes, I think this bathroom could benefit from a little bit of pizzazz. I think the idea of putting tile on the walls is a good one. Now, I wouldn't go all the way up the walls in this particular bathroom because you do have a lot of wall space. I don't mind fully tiling a bathroom from ceiling to floor when you have a smaller space. But sometimes when you put tile all over a relatively large bathroom, it can feel oppressive. It can feel like you didn't make a choice. And also when it goes all the way up, there's no opportunities for artwork. Additionally, if you want to drill in a towel bar, its holes uh, will remain in tile, whereas in sheetrock, you can patch them. So you're really kind of limiting yourself when you tile all the walls. Okay, let's keep it moving and talk about tiling only partially up a wall. So when you're designing a bathroom, you typically go between 34 inches and 54 inches high with that tile. The average is 36 inches high for wall tile in a bathroom. Now, in this case, you do have that mint-colored wall. And green is not my favorite color in a bathroom because it casts sort of a sickly pallor on your skin. If you're doing makeup in here, if you're looking at yourself naked, if you're exposing a lot of skin, well, you may not look your best in a green bathroom. In my opinion, I would paint these walls a neutral color if it is the primary bath. And then I think you could certainly incorporate color with that tile. You included an inspiration picture that had this beautiful, it looks like hand-glazed, elongated, rectilinear, olive green tile. And it is really fetching, especially with that stark white route that really offsets it and brings it to life and ties in with the white vanity countertop. Uh, I think this tile is beautiful. I think as long as you change your paint color, this olive green could be really nice because it's not going to go all the way up. So it's not going to cast a really significant pallor because from your tummy up, right, the walls will be a different color that will ideally be neutral so that you can do your makeup or comb your hair, just look at yourself and get a really true view of what you're working with. So 
I give you the green light to go bold with this tile, especially because everything else in your bathroom is pretty neutral. You have a very light colored floor. It might be cream or it might be white. And then I mentioned the subway tile. I mentioned the white shower curtain and the sinks, the porcelain pedestal sinks and the toilet are all stark white. So the last thing I would want to add in here is more white. Because as we can even see from your picture, white on white on white means that nothing really looks white. The subway tile looks a little bit creamy. The shower curtain leans a little bit ivory. The toilet is a bright, crisp white. All of these things may technically have been white on their label, but when they're all put side by side by side, they don't exactly match, which means that they all look just a little bit off, which is why I try not to do much white on white on white on white, whether I'm designing a kitchen renovation or in this case, a bathroom renovation. Griffin, I've solved all your problems. What? What's that you say? I haven't solved all your problems. Well then, send me some more questions. You can go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. And once you're there, you'll see a little area where you can leave a submission. I would love to answer your question on an upcoming episode. asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.